Hey folks, welcome to the Rosenswag Podcast. I'm Joseph Rosenswag, and this week we have Tom Marzulli on the podcast. And this week we are a couple of days late. I feel like I should just stop saying that and just like, it came out on time because uh, it, it came out. That That's it. The, there's no hard and fast schedule with this. It's fast and loose, okay? So fast, it's just loose, you know? Goosey goosey. Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, Tom's on the podcast today. Had a great time talking. Man has been doing comedy uh, for 30-odd years, at least 30 years from what he told me, which is insane. He does one open mic a week. Uh, go see him. He's usually uh, usually at Eastville Comedy Club uh, at their 1130 weekend mic. Go check him out there. He is a great guy. He also has... Really, the only TikToks I watch. It's like a modern-day Andy Rooney. If you don't know who that is, you might be too young to listen to this show. Uh, if you do know who that is, uh, remember to take your pills tonight. Uh, don't don't fall out of the bed too fast. You might uh, break your hip. Uh, get that thing installed in the shower, a little handle, so you don't slip and fall in there. Uh, your kids care about you. Your grandkids love you i don't know you you're old if you know who andy rooney is you're young if you don't know who he is i'm somewhere in between i'm 28 i'm young okay let's keep this moving uh few things coming up for me on wednesday the uh was it the 16th i have another roast battle with christian conti then i have uh thing on i I have something on the 17th. We're probably going to remember that at the worst possible time. I have a podcast. I'm recording a podcast. That's, that's great. I can't remember when I'm working on this show. That's healthy. That's good. Uh, I have a uh, another show on the 18th, possibly two. I'm trying to figure out what the hell is happening with that, but it should be fun. Uh, 19th, I am doing nothing. Nothing until the 22nd. The 22nd. I am doing my audition show over at uh, Comic Strip Live. Comic Strip Live, I'm doing my audition show, and for some reason, my brain it keeps on telling me that even though it needs to be a clean set, I am just doing the dirtiest material possible. I'm doing, uh, I'm doing all sorts of shit that I shouldn't do, which isn't great. I mean, I'm just, I, I don't know what it is this method of self-sabotage trying to work its way in it's like yeah yeah i worked on a clean five minutes for like three not three months probably two months and nope nope we're gonna do just the filthiest shit we can right now because that's what my brain wants to do 24th thanksgiving uh yeah uh myself kyle gillis and the fellas at radar New York uh, comedy show producers were doing a little Thanksgiving get-together, a nondescript holiday show where I'm going to be cooking some food for folks, doing a little comedy for people, and we're going to have a fun time, uh, eat some good food. Uh, yeah, if you're looking for something to do, come out to that. Anywho, uh, what else is going on? I, I, I've just been riffing like the best... The best moment of comedy for me in this last few days has just been uh, telling a story about uh, about food poisoning when I was a kid. 
to uh, Cole Wetterson. I still need to get him on the show. He's going to be fun when he's on the show. Uh, telling him a story about food poisoning on the train tracks and having an older woman. I don't, I don't want to say old. Older. Probably 50s. Just laughing to herself, trying not to listen in, but having a good time. That that made it so much more fun. I, I've just been riffing in a lot of sets now. I, I need to do that more on shows, I feel. I need to do that more when I am on shows because I, I have a lot more fun with it. I still do material, but it's it's more fun just riffing. I I enjoy it so much. When it goes well, it goes tremendously well. I am not getting enough sleep, as you can probably hear by that yawn. I'm not going to cut that out. I'm going to leave them there. Just this whale in the middle of this. Uh, I, I worked for a comedy club uh, being a showrunner for less than an entire day. I, I worked uh, about 17 and a half hours in one day. I don't recommend that. If you can avoid doing that, don't. Don't ever do it. Just don't. Don't uh, work that long in a day. I am I honestly should be heading to bed right now considering it's almost 1 a.m. and I was trying to have this up uh, by the end of Friday. But that didn't happen now, did it? We're doing this now. We're doing it fast and loose. Fast and loose, motherfuckers. That's what we're doing here. We have a tremendous show today. Tom Marzulli, he is one of the funniest motherfuckers I've seen in this city. Uh, he he always makes me crack up. Uh, check him out on TikTok, uh, all social media that he's on. I'll, I'll have some links below. You'll see him. But, uh, yeah. Get a taste of, uh, get a little taste, a little taste, a little, little, little smidgen of Tom for while on this podcast we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and start that up right now all right all right i mean i just figured stand-up wasn't working out for a lot of people and they decided hey let's take it to the next level pretty much that's it but yeah there's like a cone that goes out from here that captures your voice uh but outside of that usually i keep it pretty fast and loose on here just whatever comes out comes out right. uh, yeah i really uh anyone who does these i think listen to the radio as a kid i was like i want to do that I, yeah no a lot of fun i wish i had listened to the radio more as a kid i wish i did a lot of things more as a kid I'm starting to figure that out now, unfortunately, but hey. I mean, it happens with time. Like, uh, for me, it was basically, the whole reason why I do a lot of the stuff I do is I saw my parents, like, talk about what they wanted to do, uh, how they, it's like, now I went with the, uh, I went the insurance job, or I was uh, working check cashing or sales, and it's just like, wow, that sounds like something that if I do it for 40 years, I will, I won't be happy. No, so I, I end up I, I agree. doing this. No, I absolutely agree. I really believe in, at least, you know, when you're young and you have that on your side, yeah. why not take advantage of it? Oh, it's like I the only dependent that I have is me. So it's just like right. I, I, I'm not risking much. Right. You're living a simple life yeah. and you can do the things you want to do. And it's like I know how to get the IT certs. I know how to, uh, like, do all the 
just like, yeah, yeah. If I want to, if I end up wanting to work in insurance, that's just like a job. I can go do that. It's always there. Yeah. It's always there waiting for you. But doing that in like a decade or two, it's like, I have a kid and I need to make sure they can go through college. This is not a, this is not the best idea for me to start this now. I have a 401k I'm worried about. Right. No. And that's why you should do it now before you get all that. So hopefully, you know, when you get to that point, you'll be established enough and making money and being able to do this. We'll be making $35,000 a year living out of an 81 Oldsmobile. Hey, that's my goal. It's a life, you yeah. Know? It's a life, <laughs> and it's a nice car too, you know. I have scars over. with stories I won't tell anyone. It's just like, yeah, that happened. It's unbelievable. <laughs> well, you know, it's unbelievable. You hear about Steve Harvey, which I never knew about him. Oh yeah, living in a car for three years, you know. I mean, I mean, I don't encourage people to do that if they're planning a comedy career because there are other ways of. <laughs> I don't encourage I don't anyone what, to do that. I don't know what happened to him, but hey, you know. Yeah. Worked for him. I mean, I know people who couch surf, people who live in vans and things like that. It's not necessarily the way I want to live. But the thing is, is that living here, I've been able to start a podcast. I have a room and a computer where I can work on all sorts of shit. Yeah. And I can actually get a good night's sleep and not worry about someone... uh, Taking a leak on my car slash right. house. Right. It, it, hopefully, it's just a leak they take on your car yeah. and not, like, light it up on fire. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would be a shame. Or, or smash the windows and take what little you have left in the world. Yeah. But my problem was is that I never fully committed early on. That was my big issue, and that's what I deal with now, is that I just didn't come from an environment that knew anything about, you know, the entertainment industry, you know, basically everyone went into insurance. Yeah, that that's kind of the background I come from. Man. Yeah, and then when I brought it up, like, hey, what if I, ah, no, you're not, are you crazy? And it was just, so it was that back and forth, constantly trying, stopping, trying. Yeah. So I really, I, you know, I, I, you know, where I am now in my life, I really encourage people to, in the early years of their life, or any time. Yeah. It doesn't matter. I'm just saying, if you're 21, you're just starting out. Yeah. Just do it, man. Just have fun and try it. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know Mike O'Sullivan? Yes. Yeah. yeah. He technically nice started guy. doing comedy about 30 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And then had, had a bit of a gap year. Uh, you know, uh, becoming a cop, raising kids. Uh, like, now they're going to college, and he's retired from uh being a police officer, so it's just like, yeah, why not now? You know what's great? You know, when I first saw Mike mm-hmm. at Eastville, I was like, I know this guy from somewhere. Yeah. He's changed, obviously. We all have. My hair has changed. It's definitely gray. I think I remember him from 30 years ago because I started 30 years ago. Oh, shit. Yeah, no, I started in 1991. Yeah, that's around the same time as him. Yeah, and I, you know what? I always remember there was a a police officer. Yeah. And he used to come. Did he ride like a little, uh, was he like a Central Park? Uh, Don't know. Uh, Yeah, I got to talk to him about that because I know we've crossed paths somewhere over the years. Yeah, he he told me that like uh, he started with uh, Tracy Morgan. 
Oh like, yeah, I remember seeing that him at Boston the club. Comedy club. Yeah, and then just like a few years later, it's like, oh shit, that's him. Yeah, yeah. No, I remember knowing Tracy Morgan from SNL. You know what yeah. he did on that, and then he left SNL, and I didn't see much of him after that. And I was at Boston Comedy Club doing yeah. an open mic, hanging out outside, and he walks by with his, uh, I assume, wife and baby in a carriage or maybe it was i don't know who it was yeah. but it was a woman baby in a carriage and he just just like oh yeah i started that place man i stay. he wasn't doing anything so yeah. in my mind i figured oh whatever happened to him is i hope it works out for yeah. him well obviously it ended it, up working yeah, out. yeah 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 and then i started working with him on 30 rock because i i'm a stage hand yeah so i i did many many years on that actually i started with judah friedlander and Jim Gaffigan were good friends of mine when I first started. Huh. Yeah. And kind of the three of us kind of hung around and we went to open mics together and, you know, New York Comedy Club and whatever else we could do. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Was there, you know, the only yeah. two people I really befriended back then. It It's weird to consider that I'm going to have a similar story and... Like, yeah, yeah, I knew that guy back when he was nothing. Right. Yeah. Right. No, I remember <laughs> I remember asking Gavigan if is that you really think this is gonna work out? You know, you think you're gonna get something going? And this was like God, it was like ninety three. Yeah. And uh, we, we were having we were eating together actually in this little <clears throat> uh like rice and beans place on uh eighth avenue. I 14th street and we were just kind of it was late and we were the only two in there yeah and i was just like picking his brain and then we ended up going to a club after that because he had a gig at duplex i watched that gig and it was so so and it's so true you know a guy as talented as jim gaffigan early on had as difficult a time as anybody else starting out and i vividly remember that night of very little laughs and him on stage just kind of like toying with that inner voice yeah. of his and playing with the mic stand and thumbing the mic stand and people in the audience just kind of like who is this guy what's going on and yeah, yeah. it just it, but i believe what he says because i listen to a lot of what he says online and it's just like keep bombing keep bombing keep doing it keep bombing yeah. whatever it is you got to do just keep doing it oh i mean like <clears throat> i i had a like fun time doing an open mic with four people there. Yeah, I, I did a show in a parking lot uh, with one guy who was just coked up, and they were selling shit from this crappy Venezuelan uh, <laughs> trailer food. I wouldn't even call it like a like mobile restaurant or anything like that or food truck. It was. It was like a trailer that had been converted with a stove in it. <laughs> right. Oh, and, and you performed inside there? Or? I, I was in the parking in lot. In the parking lot. And it's just being heckled by one guy oh, who's awful. like, hey, man, I can get you a tiger. And it's just like, okay, fuck it. We'll, we'll entertain this. And he's the only audience member. There's like people walking by, looking at and going, nah, not for me. Yeah. Well, it's part of the process, you know. You got to start somewhere, and yeah. no one cares about you, and until you make it, and then hopefully they continue to care yeah. about you. But it's all part of that process. We used to perform in a place. I, I 
I can't remember the name. It was on Houston Street. Yeah. In a basement. And it scared people when they came down. <laughs> it was dark, dingy, dank, dirty, damn. I mean, Sparky was a guy who ran it. Sparky. Sparky was his name. That that <clears throat> sounds like a guy who sells drugs. That's yeah. how he makes his living. No, he was the dirtiest little, this <laughs> tiny guy. He was like, you know, kind of a cute little thing. You could probably turn him into like a, a little bear and sell him, you know, yeah. online. But I saw a guy come in once, and I knew this guy, a comic from Washington Square Park. Yeah. And he used to do outside Washington Square Park, nice days, and he would get like, I mean, a hundred people yeah. surrounding him. He would command this audience. And he came down to this little spot. Yeah. And he tried to do stand up and he nothing. Yeah. And he walked out. It's a completely different piece. Completely dejected. Pissed off, actually. Pissed yeah. off. Started yelling at us. Because he knew who he was and what he could do. But it was just a totally, completely different environment that he didn't know how to adjust to. Uh, I mean, just going from, like, different venues here, each one of them, like, I I have to change just what I do between, like, Bushwick, uh, downtown, going over to, like, Manhattan, yeah. Lower East Side versus uh, doing something like uh, Broadway, anything like that. Right. It's a, it's a different tonality across right. it. Just changing it a little bit for each place because none of it is the same. No. And especially not transferring a skill from, like, yeah, I can just say things and people will listen versus I'm doing a, like, worked-out performance. Well, I watch your, your stuff, and I've seen you at Eastville. And you know what that's like, you know, yeah. when you're performing in front of 30 comedians that you've seen every week, three times a week. And just then I saw you one on of them TikTok. Throw a cigarette butt at yeah, you. Just you fuck you. Yeah, you never know. You never know what's going to come at you. Man, I love your TikTok, by the way. You're but, one of the only people I watch on oh, there. Oh, thank you. Well, it's like, uh, I was telling uh, a couple of my friends, it's like, okay, do you remember Andy Rooney from 60 Minutes? Yeah. Yeah. Imagine a modern day one. That's what it is. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, I love that. Like it was my favorite part growing up because it's just like, yeah, I this is what I think about the world, current events, things like that, my life. Hope you have a nice day. I would <laughs> I would love to do that. And I you know, I would I love Andy Rooney. I would love to have a, a segment like that yeah. on, on any show, anytime. Like I I saw one of them pop up and it was just like, this is fantastic like i went through like maybe 10 15 of them all one right after the other oh that's great yeah because they're only 15 seconds i keep it to 15 seconds i don't want to go more than that they're good thank you i actually one of them went crazy viral the other day ah that's well i great. don't know what what uh i don't i don't know stands for viral but it got twenty five thousand. that ain't bad views yeah and all these likes and comments and people were going it, and it's like usually I get 200, 300, yeah. maybe 800. But this one day, this one TikTok video I posted, all of a sudden just started going crazy. Yeah. And in one day, I kept watching, went from like 8,000, 10,000. I was like, oh my God. And people are flying back and forth yeah. with comments. But the crazy thing was is that the MAGA people jumped on it. Yeah. Because I was kind of just, I love New York. Yeah. I lo I've grown up here. I grew up here. I love the city. And, um, I didn't mean it as an anti-New York ad, yeah. But these 
MAGA people jumped in. The city sucks. It's crap. It's go. You're right, Tom. You're right. And I'm thinking, oh no, I'm getting co-opted <laughs> by the MAGA people now. Holy shit! Oh, I had people get really mad at me. Uh, I posted up one thing. It was like, uh, vote for the Democrats if you want to. It's like, uh, no, it's Republicans if you want this country to go to shit. And uh, Democrats, if you just want to kill brown kids in other countries. Oh, and people went ballistic. And it's just like, well, I I just meant that as a joke because that's what's happened in the last 20 years. All right, never right, mind. But, we're deleting this. We're not dealing with this today. I know. There have been plenty, <laughs> a couple of times where I put some videos on. I said, you know what? I just don't want to. I just want to be kind of nice, Have put something, you know, kind of warm and cozy out there. I don't yeah. want to get into anything heavy political and I I've erased some some videos I put up yeah. just because I thought you know what this is gonna if then if the really like um innocent stuff yeah. triggers people what, what is, is this, this gonna do yeah <laughs> I'm like let me just get rid of this but my point being about what I was saying before was seeing you at Eastville, yeah. and then I see your TikToks pop up, and people are loving your stuff. You're in a club. You have a great audience that's yeah. with you. And it really just comes down to where you are, where you're performing. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm at a point now I don't care where I perform, where it's like yeah. I don't care who's watching me. I'm going to be myself. I'm going to connect with them. I'm going to rise to the occasion wherever I am. Yeah. And change it up for wherever I am and try to deal with the audiences in different places in different ways and yeah. not let it destroy me as much as it used to destroy me. Oh yeah. Like and crush my psyche. When I first moved up here, like I was doing all right back down in Texas, everything was going well. It's like my open mics, like going to a few of them, you get like small ones, 20, 30 audience members, big ones, like, you'd get, like, 50 to 100. So, like, that's what I was used to performing for. So even if you did middling, you'd still get some laughs. Right. And then I come up here, first mic I do, Grizzly Pear, midday. Oh, no. And it's just like, wow. Yeah. I maybe shouldn't wake. have moved here. That's a wake Maybe up I should call. have visited. That's a tough <laughs> spot. I remember yeah. that's a tough spot. And uh, But I think, ultimately, what I've learned is that as long as you stay confident in your head, yeah. you know, and not not get insecure up there which is easy to do yeah you can feel a void if you just keep you make the space you fill the space oh yeah and, and it seems to work You're out the focal better. point yeah and it really just kind of it, it's all based on what you're doing and what you decide to do and that's why i love doing these 11 30 spots at east film yeah you know that when that show popped up i was like oh let me try it out and i've been just loving it just because of the time and yeah. it's a Saturday night. and well, It's like uh, my work schedule changed recently, so I'm closing out more, which means, yeah, I'm going to be doing those late night spots. I don't need to be up at the crack of dawn. Yeah. So it's just like, cool, yeah, I'm going to start doing these shows later on in the day. I'm going to be uh, working on my material, like running late night sets versus daytime. I mean, not in the next week or two because I have that stupid uh, – comic strip live uh audition oh lordy oh, mercy <laughs> i i have to convert all of my material to squeaky clean material right <clears throat> and it's like all right let's see how clean we can make this set 
It's crazy. That place, I, I just can't figure it out. I actually did very well on my audition there. Yeah. Plenty of laughs and still <clears throat> didn't pass because the guy said I was doing an impersonation of Stephen Wright, which yeah. I wasn't. I was just that's I was just being myself and yeah. trying to figure out a way to pass these stupid auditions. Well, I mean, I had one for Stand Up New York, and the note that I hated was, your last laugh didn't, your last joke didn't get laughs. It got a groan. It's like, I have video proof that it didn't. Right, yeah, I know. In fact, it's just, I have two videos proving it didn't. I mean, the whole mathematics now behind comedy, you got to have a laugh every 18 seconds, and you got to, you know, it's like, oh, it's oh like I, man, just relax. I was so hit by that. I timed out when there were laughs. I was getting between seven and eight of minutes. Like, I could, I murdered, and I got nothing. Right. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's a strange, yeah, I think it just comes down to who, well, that's what really stinks, <clears throat> the clubs, you know, you have yeah. f- a few of them, a handful of them, and they're very powerful if you think about, yeah. you know, what they wield, you know, it's, they can pretty much decide whether or not you're going to get the stage time, which is going to give you the opportunity to, to be seen. Yeah. And if you don't get it, you end up like me doing these, you know, open mics or whatever for 30 years and trying to get in or trying to get managers and whatever. I, I still don't know how any of that works. Like, I, it's like, yeah, I've been able to book things like across the city at different clubs, all not run by the clubs. Some of them run by me, some of them run by other people. And it's just like, yeah, I do really well on those, but don't know what I'm doing club wise. I, I've never been able to figure it out. I just I think I just got, I've gotten to the point and the, the self-understanding that people are either going to like me or they're not. Yeah. And the, unfortunately, the people who hold the strings are not liking me. Yeah. You know, I used to do Gotham a lot. And I used yeah. to kill the, you know, these shows. And the, and the manager would just look at me like, I don't understand. Like, I don't get it. Like, why do you have to understand? Who cares? It's, they like they're it? They're having fun. Yeah. And that's really what it's about, you know, to me. It's having fun. I don't necessarily have to say anything. Uh, it could be completely goofy. I'm just going for a laugh. Well, I mean, the uh, biggest laugh I've ever seen from one line ever, uh, he was a Texas comic who moved up here. He had a podcast. He was doing really well, mental break. This guy, Dalton Pruitt, uh-huh. uh, he goes on stage. This is at Dallas Comedy House, closed down nowadays. But he went on stage, was silent, just pacing the stage for about four minutes, just making eye contact with people, pointing at him, things like that. Didn't say a word. And then ends with, fuck Italians, am I right? Right. Oh, my God. It was, it's like the liberation of France, just people. Explosion. Yeah explosion and he's just building up this tension the entire time just eh, 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 well you, it's you. a technique yeah it's a technique of power and you know yeah i've plenty of times i've tried that where i haven't said anything i turn my back to the audience yeah. once and it just creates something that i don't know they they want something they want to walk out they want to throw something like what are you doing and uh, basically you just you're 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 utilizing your freedom and your power to do whatever you want. Yeah. You know, I, it, it's so much fun. Like I, one of the things that like a lot of comics up here don't realize, especially the ones who have really just done comedy here. 
like going outside of the city. Any open mic is a murderer's row here. Yeah. It, it's crazy because, like, I went out to Jersey a couple of times for shows and just, like, even going not that far out, just destroying. Do you find the audience is more inviting? Yeah, because, like, here it's like, I came to this comedy show. I could be doing a hundred other things right now. You better be good. Yeah. You go out to uh, even another large city, and most of the time, there are six things that you can do on any given night, and yeah, that's it. That's And that's where they make their money, these comics touring all over the country. I'm like, who goes out to see these shows? But then when you think about it yeah. like that, what else do you have? Oh, it's like the open mics I used to do in Texas. We had an audience because that was one of the only things to do. That's it. It's like, yeah, it... Like in Dallas, it's like the fourth or fifth largest city in the U.S. Right. And guess what? There ain't <laughs> shit to do. There's not much. There's a lot of empty space. Yeah, it's like you can go to museums. You can, but they're closed early. You can go to a movie theater. Movie you want to watch isn't playing. Okay, I can go to a bar, but I'm going to be bored there because there's not a game on. Yeah. I guess I'm going to go watch comedy. Well, that's what I love about Eastville, 1130. It's like my feeling is like people have gotten to 11 o'clock and they've gone to the movie. They've had dinner. They still don't want to go home. They're looking for something. They're to, looking for something yeah. to do. Let's go. Oh, we can get a drink in this comedy club. Oh, all right. Yeah. And they'd have a show. Let's go. Oh, it's yeah. like, well, whatever. It's an open mic. Who cares? Let's see. Maybe we'll see somebody. Oh, uh, like uh, the Tiny Cupboard. Uh, I've done their 10 o'clock shows a few times now. And yeah, I like that. Like uh, on the weekends especially at 10 o'clock it's like either the end of someone's night or the beginning of it yeah and you capture that right there and it's like you're setting the mood for how their night is gonna be the rest of the time yeah you know and they're happy they're happy to be there it's not like they're forced to be there they're actually like oh i want to do yeah that's a good play i like that club like is that max's max uh, spinelli's club uh no that's not a Max, room, not his club, uh, but his Jewish guy and Asian girlfriend or wife. I forget their names. Amy and I am going blank on his name. Oh, I don't know. I did. Uh, great folks. I don't know if you know Maximilian Spinelli, but uh, he, I don't know if he still does it. There, don't know. But he's a, I, he's a, does New York Comedy Club, which I think you do New York Comedy Club. Every now and then, yeah. But uh, I haven't been there in a long time. I I really like the... Uh, I used to do Latino Laughter at the 25th uh, Street Club location, which is funny because I'm not Latino, but the guy who used to run the show liked me. I mean, I did, a a couple of, I did a couple of Spanish language shows back down in Texas is the only person not speaking Spanish oh. on the show. Hey, wherever you can get a spot. Yeah. Wherever the... I went on Saturday. I wanted to do the... Uh, the all the ladies show yeah on, on sat, a Sunday on the Sunday LGBTQI plus or if you identify yeah. as a as a woman yeah and so I figured okay let me give it a shot and they I they were like no <laughs> <laughs> and I was like oh okay uh, I thought about going in and I thought oh, I don't want to pay for an open mic yeah I free open mic I always feel awkward walking into that environment because it's like. I know you don't want me here. I know, but that's why I wanted to be there. I yeah. just wanted to connect with them. And that's why I want the challenge. I love the challenge of connecting with people. 
you know, because you think like, oh, he's not, he's an asshole. He's not going to yeah. connect with it. I just, I don't care who you are, where you are. I just want to try to connect with you. Uh, I mean, one of the reasons, like I wrote a series, it's probably like five, six minutes of gay jokes, just because I want to be the only straight comedian who go in there and have the straight guys like me and then the entire gay audience be like, woo! At, like, uh, the uh, stand-up New York audition show, the host was gay. It's like, those were the smartest, those those were the best gay jokes I've heard from a straight guy in my life. And it was just like, yes! That's a great, Fuck yes. Validation yeah. from the gay community, Joe. I need that validation. Well, it's just like, okay, I need, I've got jokes for that. I've got jokes for black community. I've got Latino jokes. I just need to hit whitey. I need to get white guys on my side. Right. Yeah. I, and you know what? I just want to be inclusive. I don't even care anymore. It's like who you are, what you are. I, I just need these honkies, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Crackers. Yeah. Someone called me a cracker once. Yeah. That's it. You know, you, you want to like these things do hurt, you know, words do hurt. I never thought so until someone called me a cracker. And then it really like, wow, that got under my skin. That hurt me. But what kind of cracker? Like Ritz? Uh, have you ever club? heard the term? Yeah. 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 Of course. Yeah. Uh, actually, I don't think it has anything to do with the. Oh, with, yeah. I know what. I forget. It's, exa- it's the whip. The crack yeah, of the, yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. The crack of the whip. Because the uh, the whip. that's always I fun. forgot about that. I, <laughs> Anyways. Pro-slavery or anti-slavery, where do you stand? I love 12 Years a Slave, especially the book. Anybody out there who hasn't read the book should read the book. It's one of the best books I've ever written. All the books by writers that are not considered writers are usually my favorite books. Papillon, great book. But um, (laughs) definitely anti-slavery. You heard it here, folks. Definitely (laughs) anti-slavery. Don't go for that. I don't like that. I don't like um, bondage. Even in the bedroom. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, because I'm delicate. This is soft tissue, Joe. This is soft. It breaks easily. It bruises. I I bruise like a banana. I don't need it. There's evidence afterwards. It's like, yeah, yeah, I can't go out in public. I'm wearing long sleeves. It's like, yeah, I have collars. Any shirt with a collar will wear that. You know what? You know what's worse than dropping your iPhone for the first time? Picking up a banana you think is not going to be bruised, but there's one hidden in there. Yeah. And it just destroys the whole experience. It ruins your day. Yeah. My wife was yelling at me, why'd you have two bananas? Well, half of it was bruised, okay? I'll buy more. She said, make sure you buy more. God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) So why why the comeback to comedy? Like, uh, I... Did you have like a dip or... Never left it. Oh. I've never left. I, I started in 91 for a year. And I thought... I don't know. Something's not right here for me. It's yeah. not working out. <clears throat> so I stopped that like every night doing it, like two, three a night. I stopped yeah. doing that. But I never really stopped doing comedy. Like I do it once a week, kind of like yeah. what I'm doing now. Yeah. Basically just trying to keep it fresh for me. I find when I do it too much, it's just... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Like I, it, I lose the freshness. I lose the desire to want to even do it. Um so I always did it, and I kept, you know, once a week, twice a week, I would find a spot. I would perform with this woman, yeah. Gladys Simon, who has a lot of shows, and she does something at Comic Strip Live now, but for years did Cold Waters, a 
did a place called uh, Hamburger Harry's where Zach Galifianakis actually would perform for mm. her. Yeah, and uh, he mentioned it actually <laughs> in a, an article I was reading about him. But I never stopped doing it. But at 30, yeah. I started working at an, in- an internet company. Yeah. And I had all this free time because I got done at four or five o'clock. And I was like, I'm going to, I'm really going to start hitting it again. Yeah. Like heavily, like every night. And so I'm 55 now. Proud to admit it. And uh, so from 30 to, to now, I've been yeah. basically nonstop. Ah. Yeah. So I auditioned at Stand Up New York. I auditioned at the Comic Strip Live. I auditioned at the Comedy Cellar. And passed them all. Yeah. But I think there's more networking involved. I didn't know enough it, people. I didn't know about the networking. Yeah, that until whole. Yeah. Probably like the last six months, how absolutely 100% important that is. Yeah. Oh, it's unbelievable. I, I wish I could just be like, yeah, these are my buddies and I just hang out with them. And it's like, no, no, I have to know a hundred different names. I have to have a Rolodex of people. It's just. Yeah, it's 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 definitely um, something I've never been good at. I I just like to go in, perform, kind of go home. <laughs> yeah, that's about it. But I never really like the hanging out and. Oh, it's like I like the. Plus, I wake up. It's four in the morning. Yeah, to go that, to work that'll do that it, to it you. It just kills me, you know. By that point, I'm I'm dead. But I was ready at comics yeah. at uh, the Comedy Cellar. Yeah. Past the audition, the guy who ran it was like, okay, you're going to start doing 1.30 a.m. spots. So I was ready to do it. Yeah. And then everything kind of changed there with their system and how they brought people into the club. So then. Well, their system nowadays is weird because I know some people who have gotten into there and it's just like, I know you. I love you and I appreciate you. you. You're not at the same level as. Some of these guys there. Right. Yeah. But they get in and they see, I, I see people performing, you know, under a manager and getting road gigs and that uh, I'm like, oh, okay. Like if I, if I had a manager cool. right now, <laughs> How I, I would probably have even less money than I have now. Right. <laughs> I know. That's the next level. Like, yeah. how do you make money out of it? I just read an article about comics who were like, it's just rare to make any money at this thing. Uh, also, this city is terrible to make money doing any kind of, like, real creative thing. Yeah. Like, the best you can do is play an instrument in a park and hope for the best. I mean, how much do they pay in clubs? I don't even know. I'm so far... Uh, be- depending on the club, anywhere between, like, uh, 50 to 200 bucks. Like, the... Right. Right? Like, at this level, the best I can do is if I could get, like, a gig barking for, like, Grizzly Pear. Right. I, I know a couple of people who do that will make like 500 bucks in a weekend. Yeah, I mean, that's hustle. And I remember like David Tell used to do like five clubs a night. Yeah. And in each club, he's getting, you know, 100, 150, maybe 200 bucks. I mean, private it gigs adds up, you are know? the only things where I've been paid any real kind of money. And even then, it was like a one off. So I, right. I wouldn't. Like, oh, my God, I got five, $600 from doing this. You can't bank on it. And then I'm not going to be doing anything that pays for another six months. Right. I know. It's hard to get that momentum yeah. going. But that's it. That's part of it. Just keep, you know, screw it. Just yeah. keep doing it. 
keep going to these open mics, keep going to the shows wherever you can. And anytime anyone just, can give me time, I'll take it. Yeah, I just want to. That's why I only do. I only do one night a week. Yeah, I do Eastville, and I kind of just let everything build up in me through the course of the week. And I do my TikTok, and I keep that going in my head, and I just keep. Plus, I do. I've decided I'm just. If I'm just dealing with five minutes, I'm just going to do the same five minutes, pretty much yeah. the same five minutes. Because ultimately, I do want to get on like Jimmy Fallon or Kimmel or one of those shows where they give you five, six minutes. I'm not sure if you can shove the uh, yeah. I'm not going to shove anything up, up my, your ass, no, uh, no. Jimmy Kimmel. But uh, if yeah. you did, well, he <laughs> might be open to it. I don't uh, know. Yeah. But uh, I'm sure everyone in America would be like, "Oh my God, he just." Put something on his ass. That's so horrible. But you would be a legend after that. But I've never actually put it up there. <laughs> Talk about putting it up there. <laughs> I invite people home to see it be put up there, <laughs> but I've never actually put it up there. Uh, and not the not the skinny end. I go, I'm going for the stand part, the wide <laughs> end. That's what I'm going to be doing. But basically, I just figure I, I keep working it on, working on, working on it, and... Hopefully, yeah. if I ever get a shot, then I'll be very comfortable with that six minutes. Oh, it's like... Uh, Without the mics. I <laughs> oh, it's like my five minutes, I have it down to a T. I know it, there's a laugh here, there's a laugh there. This bit right. goes right there, and it's like I have all the other material around it <laughs> that is kind of mutable. I can change it up. I... Uh, Recently, I've just been writing out a half hour. Like, I have a half hour's worth of jokes. I'm just trying to figure out where to place everything. Bridges, connecting them, stuff like that. Sure. And it is the most annoying thing that I've ever done. Yeah. And you never know until you're actually up there and trying it. Yeah. I mean, my first show ever, I did 47 minutes. Oh, my God. That was a terrible idea. Yeah. Yeah. And how do you, yeah, how do you approach it? But it's a reality. It, You're going to have to do it. I was supposed to do 10. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. How did it go? Not as bad as you would expect. I'm not going to say it was even that good. It was just everything that I had ever thought of, I had ever written, I would ever heard, just regurgitating all of that. Yeah. It's, you really got to make it up on the fly sometimes yeah. and just stretch these things out. You know, I just figured that if I get a longer set, well, it's just I'm not going to do the punchlines, like, as quickly yeah. as I would do for a five-minute set. And I'll have more time to play with the audience and maybe improvise, which I love to do. Yeah. And just do the physical comedy and, and get them laughing and just try to be that person I was when I was a kid in school with my friends. Yeah. You know, that's really ultimately the goal for me is to be as comfortable in front of an audience as I am friends and if i can make everybody a friend then yeah but i had an interesting the other night i had a good set at eastville but there was one joke that always works and it just there was nothing and it was fine because yeah. i just was like said something in reaction to that and then they laughed at that which i yeah. always that's why i always love carson because he would do his monologue flub his monologue and just be like well, we're going to get rid of that writer or, yeah. we're gonna, you know, he always had a, a remark, which I always ended up getting. So yeah. that's the key. Never fall. Just be like, okay, this is an opportunity to get another laugh. 
I was like, I, I was, I'm doing this new bit where I use the term bell curve and <laughs> someone in the audience just shouted, what the fuck is that? <laughs> and it's just like a bell curve. Yeah. What is that? Are you registered to vote? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. And then it's just like, ah, laughter. The beauty of democracy. Yeah. The beauty. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's a curve that's shaped like a bell. It's just like, <laughs> yeah. But that's really just never. It's it's those moments when you can't react. Yeah. You can't say something. Where you freeze up. Then it's a disaster. Oh, yeah. And I've had a few of those. With flip-flops on. And a floor full of beer. Oh, Jesus. And and they 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 heckled me off the stage it was so loud it was deafening heckling and i just it was the summer and i just was like i gotta get out of here and i just walked but they there were so many people in this place and so much beer spilled everywhere it was like an inch of beer on the floor and i was sloshing through this beer with my my uh sandals yeah i had sandals not even flip just Oh, it was just so humiliating. I mean, brutally humiliating. My, like, one of my worst moments was uh, at this really well attended open mic back in uh, Fort Worth. I uh, was like right after this guy who, uh, well, little uh, guy named Rob the Hob. There's a whole story behind that. Uh, he was. He had, like, cerebral palsy. He turns out he fled the state because he uh, kiddie porn, all sorts of things like that. Oh, my God. We didn't know that at the time. But he he goes on stage, proceeds to say the N-word 30-some-odd times. I know. And then I have to go on after him. When it's me, him, the bartender, and the host. Just all going like, well, what the fuck do we do now? Yeah. That's a it's a hard reality, and I had a show recently with a similar situation where yeah. I followed somebody who was like becoming you know, a little provocative racially, and 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 really kind of freaked the uh, this one group out of Jewish yeah. people, and he's like, yeah, you know, and I was like, oh, why, oh boy, and then okay, and here's Tom Marzuli, bring him up, and I'm like, I know where they were in their head, yeah. I just know it, and they're talking, they're looking at each other, they're nervous, but. Again, if you just stay true to yourself, which I tried to do, and just stuck with the material, because if you can give them material, they're not going to get nervous. Yeah. They freak out when they don't know what's going on. <laughs> like, where's he going with this? And just stuck to That's why I love just doing the same five minutes. Having that stock five minutes is a safety net uh, for these situations. Also, I, I kind of love... Nowadays, I kind of love going on after... Usually a newer guy tries out either some riffing or some uh, new material that goes really, really no. bad. <laughs> and it's just going up there. It's like, <clears throat> what do I have to react to this with? What can I? Right. Like, I have to acknowledge that this happened. Right. Yeah. I know. That's another thing. I, I, you know what? I, I kind of got out of that, too. Like, almost like not even caring anymore about the other person yeah, and not even reacting to what they were talking about. Cause then I'm, I'm, I feel like, okay, then he's going to get it or she's going to get insulted with me. And then I'm going to have to deal with that. So instead of that, now I just say, screw it. We're, let them say whatever they want to say. I'm not connected to this person other than being a colleague in this club. 
go up, do my stuff, ignore everything they just said, and hopefully win them back. Oh, I, I love just going up there and going like, wow, that was wild. Right, exactly, yeah. exactly. Like, you have some really colorful opinions about Dominicans. <laughs> I hadn't even considered that. I, <laughs> hey, to each his own. <laughs> yeah. To each his own. And anything you can do to get through those five minutes yeah. without, you know, being brutalized I mean, emotionally. The best joke I ever told is just, like, on stage was some guy, like, a day after Cosby got out was in a Cosby-esque sweater, and it was just me riffing on the fact that he's wearing a Cosby sweater. Right. Crowd is going wild. Then after, like, two and a half minutes, I decide, okay, time for material. Nope. Okay. I know. Just Cosby sweater with y'all. It's just, it's unbelievable. How did that happen with Cosby? My God, what the... I mean, here's a guy we all grew up with. We all love this. Had no idea the sinister, sinister side to this guy. Two best Cosby albums are uh, Bill Cosby isn't feeling himself these days. Right. And Bill Cosby, revenge. Right. He's like, oh, shit. He had the anger. Yeah. I saw this Larry King with him. It was this freakiest thing. He was talking about Spanish flies. And this was like years Oh, before. yeah, yeah. I've Did seen the see interview. That? Yeah. And it's just like, these guys, oh, yeah, I remember Spanish flies. It's just amazing. I've been watching a lot of old, older movies from the 70s, yeah. not that old. But it is amazing the amount of racism and misogyny in these movies. It's just like, whoa, I can't believe it. Oh, I mean, like I was watching Annie Hall and there's this line where it's like two of them, two of them. They were 16. And it's just like, I, oh, my I, God. I know. Oh, well, how about he's dating a 15 year old? Yeah, it's just like Hemingway. It's just that, like. Is this? A, I'm with my parents, and they never even said anything. Yeah. Like, I don't know about that, Tom. This isn't. They were just accepting of it. That's what I'm saying. This whole, it's like a generational acceptance of insanity. Yeah, that we all grew, kind of grew up in. It's just insane. It's crazy. I mean, like my, like my dad's seventy, and he's just like, yeah, that's just the way things were. Yeah. Yeah. I just saw this movie called Joe with Peter Boyle. If you get a chance, yeah. find it somewhere, watch it just for the, just to get an idea of how insane people were back then and the way they treated women, people of color. It's just unbelievable that this. And I, I, I figured I'd read the reviews of yeah. the movie that would be horrible. Like, yeah. how could he, they make this? No. It was Joe is like everybody. He's the everyman. Yeah. And that actually spun off and created. I mean, I don't know if there was any direct connection with the producers of this movie, yeah. Joe, but I think it inspired Norman Lear to write Archie Bunker or I, All in the Family. Yeah. And created the Archie Bunker character based on this guy, Joe. Uh, I mean, it's kind of like when people say, like, I don't get why old people, like, old people are like this. Like, how the hell do they let this happen? Or it's just like, my my favorite one is uh, like when you ask someone like, yeah, yeah, what what did your your parents ever done anything like racist? Sex? And it's just like, no, 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 they're great. And it's like, I guarantee you they have. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, you're just living at that time. Yeah. It just, it's like being brainwashed. What's, you don't know. What's bizarre for me is knowing that in 50 years time, 
uh, a lot of the views I have right now, which I think are open, accepting, just like, I yeah, I love everyone, all that shit. And it's just like, no, no, I, I was a bigot. I apologize. Because that's just going to happen again. It's hard, you know, you, wherever you're raised, you know, yeah. in what community you're raised in. I mean, like... You're be, it's like in 12 Years of Slaves, to go back to that book. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that really uh, was amazing was he wasn't angry at the guy yeah. who owned the plantation. He's like, from a sociological perspective, he kind of... He was a very yeah. intelligent guy in a horrific nightmare situation you know, kidnapped, brought here from the north. And after analyzing this guy after 10 years, he, he realized he, how sick he was, mentally yeah. sick. And it, that it wasn't his fault, that this was just something, that's all he knew. It's what he was raised yeah. to believe was right. And they had God on their side because yeah. they were going to church every week. I mean, like, you look at the... Bible, the Old Testament, New Testament, all that. It's like, yeah, they had slaves, they had concubines, they had all these things, and that, right. yeah, that was that was just life. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, yeah, we figured out, like, yeah, that maybe not the best thing for everyone, but <laughs> it's, I mean, that it took them so long to figure that out. It's well, just like, uh, it's been five hundred years. Can't we get past this? I mean, it was the Industrial Revolution that really yeah. changed things. Right. Yeah. Well, just the way they treated people in general. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, the the the, the laborers, the, you know, the peasant, whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's just this thing about humanity. You know, we got to crush certain people down. Well, get them to work for us for nothing. Oh, yeah, that's almost every place of work. Yeah. Like, when people ask me, like, uh, do you like your job? It's like... I don't have a problem with my job. I have a problem with working. Right. Yeah. And work is, you know, people rag about PC culture. Yeah. But work for me has just become so much better. I used to dread going to work. Yeah. Because some of the guys I was, people, not guys only, but people I was working with were just brutal. Brutal. You know? And the, and the, the way they treated new employees. Yeah. Brutal. And this went on for years. And there was really nothing. I wasn't going to complain or do anything to human resources. It didn't yeah. even exist. And now, you know, they've weeded out all, yeah, all the old dead wood. They got rid of it all, and uh, it makes it a lot easier at work. People have to be kind. You know, you're, you're forced to be kind, and that's such a that's a radical concept. Like even when I started people. working, like that environment was still there like my first job was a janitor at the fort worth zoo and like that department was like the stereotypical boys club and <laughs> it's just like yeah i'm a kid who uh was never involved with sports i do like uh art and music stuff uh i have no idea what any of you guys are like i this does not work for me yeah i was in scouts you know what we did in scouts uh we uh avoid the scout master no i'm gonna say i got one of the better ones he was just super religious like uncomfortably oh, like that's all that i had it's just like you're freaking me out with your god stuff man. oh he's one of those people who like the his kids were in scouts with us and like 
they couldn't watch cartoons unless it was like pre-approved by them. I'm not talking at like seven, eight years old. I'm talking at like twelve. It's like, yeah, yeah, Cartoon Network. Uh, some of those old Looney Tunes that get pretty, pretty dark. I don't want you yeah. to watch that. Yeah, yeah. They didn't know who Homer Simpson was. I know. It's just like, what the fuck is? Like, yeah. Cultural zeitgeist. How do you function? I know. I, in a way, I kind of understand. It's like I, I wouldn't let my son. I mean, he watches Family. He loves Family Guy. Yeah. And I'm sitting in the other room, like. What the hell's going on in America? Uh, like, uh, I mean, my dad exposed me to, like, he loves uh, black exploitation films, black comics. I grew oh up God. on. Like, I've been watching all that lately. I've yeah. been listening to Tarantino. He, I, you I know, grew up watching it. that kind of stuff. I watched, like, all of the, uh, what's his face, uh, Blazing Saddles, uh, Spaceballs. Mel Brooks. Uh, all the Mel Brooks stuff. Yeah. Uh, like, I grew up on... Tarantino, I saw a bunch of uh, Coen Brothers films when I was a kid. Like, I think the Tarantino's per- mother wouldn't let him see The Exorcist when he was a, like ten or twelve. Yeah. My parents took me to see The Exorcist when I was six. We, I mean, what are you nuts? Even Tarantino's parents like, were my, like, this "My is parents, a too much. we made it a family trip to go to theaters to see Inglorious Bastards." That's beautiful. That, Hey, as long as they give you an understanding, give me yeah. a framework here. You know, I went to see Taxi Driver with my dad. I thought <laughs> this was a cool guy. You yeah, know, yeah. just misunderstood. My dad never said, look, good movie, but guy was a little crazy. And let's talk about this. No, you know, let's go out and buy some replica guns and switchblades. And I'm like, oh, no, I had those. That and was boxing fun. gloves, yeah. too. I mean, 10 years old, you buy your kid boxing and headgear. Well, I mean, my like I was firing a gun at that age, so I can't say much. I know, <laughs> I know. My dad had guns actually. I, he had a, a forty-four Magnum and a PPK. He, my dad, was actually one of the. He got a license at a time in the seventies in yeah. New York, just bef- a carry license. Yeah, just before they they made it almost impossible to get. He was like. Just the year before I, the, the laws changed. I show my dad had he still has it. It's a little twenty two. He just had it behind his pocket protector yeah. when he would go to work. No, my yeah. dad every day he went to work after he, you know, quaffed, dressed, yeah. the whole thing, took the gun out, put the clip in, put it in his holster, put yeah. it in his belt. And we grew up in Queens. And yeah. uh, you know, some nights he had to go out late and Felt he needed to have it. Personally, I don't ever feel the need to have one. But uh, hey, what for me, it's do? just oh yeah, That's I like my dad just preference. treats them like uh, sporting goods, right? <clears throat> I mean, not even at this point anymore. He just treats them as like, yeah, this is your inheritance. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I think my nephew ended up getting them. Yeah, he lives in Texas. He moved to Texas. He grew up in. I mean, that works New out. New York. He ended up in Texas with his father-in-law, and I'm sure he's car- he has something. I don't know what the carry laws down there are. It's pretty much open carry. I, uh, I think it's open carry, but like uh, you have to get a license for a handgun, something like that. Like a like you can just walk down the street with a rifle. You know what? I I, I haven't thought about carrying anything or mace or anything but riding the subways these days 
someone took a swing at me the other day, uh, you know, a homeless person or a person who's having trouble finding a home, living on the subway. Out yeah. of nowhere, I see this fist coming at me, like, full speed. And he stopped right before he hit me. Like, he was, sh- you know, he just wanted to shake me up. Yeah. But there's all this craziness now what? on the trains. It's I, just I, like, I'm like, eh, maybe I should. Am I just riding the wrong trains or... Like I, I don't experience any of this. You know what? It's happened to me a couple of times, and I I take the train every day to work. Yeah, I'm up at four. I'm on the train at five a.m. So, uh, but actually, that's the first incident happened at five a.m. in the morning. Yeah, on an empty car, and this guy just went berserk on me, and yelling, not physical, yeah. but. He was coming toward me, and I thought it was going to get physical, but it didn't get physical. I was able to just keep it, you know, calm until the doors opened, and then I ran. But um, yeah, it, no, actually, he ran. He got off. I got off. He, I got on. He got on. So we were playing this game, and uh, that was pretty scary. But the other incident just recently happened. It was on um, Sunday. Yeah. And it was a Sunday afternoon. Sunny Sunday yeah. afternoon. <sighs> it ha- and I, it's been happening a lot, and I've been hearing people talk of friends. I, of mine. I've heard a lot of people talk about it, but like the worst that happened to me was years ago now, where like these group of guys smoking, what have you. One of them is like really hyped up and tried to push me onto the track, so I just grabbed him by the throat. Well, okay, there you go. <laughs> That's an incident. Yeah, that. but that was like... <laughs> when was that? Uh, COVID hadn't hit yet. Okay, so, so th- two, three years ago. Yeah, yeah, that was the only real three incident. Years ago. Yeah. Yeah, no, that doesn't happen a lot. Yeah. And uh, the amount of, the ratio of the amount of times I ride to the amount of times it happens, it's minuscule, but it only has to happen once, you know? But I yeah. have been noticing a large presence of very... Um, People that are in need of a lot of help yeah. living on the trains. And uh, they're not quiet. They're they're a little more they're rage. Even that kind of thing, like, I'm, I haven't seen as much of it in the last couple of years. Yeah. Oh, it, yeah. It's weird. Like, I, I'm not seeing as many of these guys out there who, like, are shouting at people, swinging at people, anything like yeah. that. I don't know. You're lucky. Yeah. You're lu- I don't. What train are you riding? I'm going to take uh, that train. J M G one, the three A C. Yeah. So you're out there. I, yeah. Hey, consider yourself fortunate. I just, I do. Just everyone know. has these horror stories. Yeah. No, it's it's crazy. It's happened a couple of times in the last two years. So two times the last two years, but many incidences where I've heard people just yelling, screaming at other people. Like, if it's just so a yelling and screaming, I've seen maybe, like, three guys like that in the last uh, six months. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the less you see it, the better. Yeah. The better it is, because it's scary when you're you're on a train and you, there's no way out, you know? It, the only bad one is uh, there's a woman in this neighborhood who, uh, like, she'll just, if you don't, help her out she'll start grabbing things from trash cans and throwing them at you okay yeah that's not nice yeah i don't like that (laughs) 
It's, uh, and again, I say get out of there as soon as you can. Yeah. Do not confront these people. They carry weapons. I have, friend, I have a friend of mine who was slashed across the face years ago. This was years ago. But they, you know, it's just very dangerous. Yeah. Be careful. Just be careful and get out of there. If you see an opening, get out of there. It might be that I grew up in a rough neighborhood, but it's just like I think I just noticed that kind of thing. And I just avoid it. Yeah. Just like naturally. I know. Might be that. It's weird. It's like it's true. And sometimes I get lazy. Like when the guy took a swing at yeah. me, I noticed he was something was wrong yeah. with him, and I should have just moved away yeah. somewhere else. And I kind of was like out of it. It was Sunday. I was tired. Yeah. And uh, I just let it slip. So you really do have to be. Yeah. And I grew up in New York, you know, my whole life. Yeah. I grew up in Queens. I moved into Manhattan when I was 19. And I was there ever, you know, pretty much till a few years ago. So, and, you know, always was pretty free about moving around the city from an early age. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, sometimes you just get caught. You're not, you're not aware. And maybe they just don't like me. <laughs> maybe they like you they see something kind in me they say he's a prick let's get him i i mean my my go-to thing is i i don't know why but people assume i'm always slightly agitated even if i'm not so yeah stay just, away from him it's just like david i, or I don't know what's <laughs> up with him he just he looks like he's not happy to be here right now and i'm not sure if i can point out what it is Let's just step around. Yeah. <laughs> he might look like uh, he could uh, ignite something. Let's get away from him. I, I don't know about you, but I, especially like when I got back into comedy post-COVID, apparently a lot of people at Eastfield didn't want to talk with me because you always just look aggravated. Really? Yeah, yeah. And it's just like, it, it's my face. I, <laughs> I know. I can't, you feel it when you go in a club. Most comics are aggravated. Everyone's aggravated. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. It's like, you got to get up. And I just, but actually, I was so happy to find Eastville because it was after COVID. I was like, you know what? Where was I going? I was going to Comic Strip Live yeah. every week. There was a, a, a development room. Yeah. And um, I was just doing that for years, thinking oh, they'll like me at the club. Eventually, I'll start getting yeah. spots. And that didn't happen. So I figured, that's it. I'm not coming all the way up here anymore. And I found Eastville. And I found you guys in yeah. this little group of really, you know, very nice, cool guys and people. And Oh, we were all really... Not too many girls. Yeah. So, ladies, Eastville Comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're looking it's for a, you. It's a good spot. Uh, yeah, it's... Uh we're all kind of fortunate in the fact that all of us were basically just coming back to comedy post COVID. Yeah. And it's just like the only people we had before that were the other comics we saw. And we don't know how many of them are left in the city even. So we all just came there because it was nearby. It was like the first one that we saw posted, whatever. And it's just like, okay, yeah, yeah, this works out. This is good. Oh, so prior to COVID you guys weren't doing Eastville. Uh, I had never been to Eastville. Oh, okay. So that was a, Post-COVID. Yeah, like, thing. for me, I uh, I mostly did Manhattan and Queens. Did you do the Laughing Buddhas? Nope. Prior to that? Okay, cool. wasn't even sure what Laughing Buddha was. I'd heard of it. Yeah, I, I was, started doing Laughing Buddha way before yeah. uh, COVID. 
Yeah, it was... Uh, but not at Eastville. Mostly at Creek in the Cave. Creek in the Cave. That was my go-to spot because... Oh, maybe I saw you there. I used to go for the one-minute spots or the two-minute I would do spots. the one-minute. I'd do the two-minute. I would do the storytelling one. That's how I got those private gigs. Because uh, I would tell, like, stories of working on the road or, like, I remember doing acid in college or stories like that where it's just like, yeah, we're going to just explain a scenario like a day or two of my life that was bizarre and just go from there. And who who saw you it was for some, the gigs? It was some deadhead, like he was a uh, big like drug guy and he's just like, yeah, I like your uh, acid story. My buddies will like it too. Eh. And I was doing these gigs That's at like great. Uh, these bars and uh, record shops that all these old deadheads who are now in Florida uh, and Arizona. Like, where was the spot? Where did the. Uh, it was like a couple you... of spots in uh, like the Lower East Side, a uh, couple in Queens. And it was just like wherever I could perform for them. I did like a total, of like maybe five of them. But uh, there was one month where I paid rent. With uh, comedy, it's just that's, like, I'm making it. Also, uh, the the world is ending. The world is on fire right now. We don't know what's happening. And then I didn't hear from him again. Really? Yeah. Last I heard was like the one of the guys, like the record shop closed and he moved down to Florida. So. Wow. But they also gave me a bunch of like comedy albums and stuff. I have them on really? my wall. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Well, nobody buys comedy albums. So they were just like, yeah, take them. Okay, cool. And there's no way to connect with them, maybe try to get a gig in Florida? I've tried hitting up the numbers I have yeah. and nothing. You know, I've never made money in comedy. All the years I've maybe made 50 bucks. But the only thing of significance I ever made doing comedy yeah. was a pair of shoes. A guy who used to, I swear, used to cover to this club had uh, a shoe business. It was a, now he was online, he was, so he was basically yeah. selling them all over the place. He's like, he really liked me. He was like, I got to give you a pair of shoes. So I'm going to just go to my website, email me, give me a size. That you got. I'm giving you a pair of shoes. And I'm like, kept ignoring it, thinking like he was just being nice. And yeah. then I'd see him a couple of weeks later. He's like, you never emailed me. I want to give you this shoes. And he kept going on. Gave me these shoes, beautiful shoes. Loved them. Yeah. He, and now I can't remember the name of the company. I'd like to promote it, but I don't know. Eastman? Eastport? East Bay? I don't Oh, man. I don't know. I can't remember. But really nice shoes. Really enjoy them. They're still in my closet. And they represent for me something that, you know, says, Tom, you can do this. Just keep at it. Yeah. That's what that wall is for me. shoes. It's like. You got some shoes. I. It looks cool, plus, like, yeah, I, I got this from doing something. Yeah, it's nice, right? Yeah. Can you imagine that feeling, like, actually, like, working full-time as a comedian? Yeah. Which I, I don't know if I could have done it before, you know, because of the way my my life developed, and I had a wife and a son. I didn't want to be away from him. Yeah. Even, that's why I was acting a little bit, and I thought, oh, what am I going to get a gig in Atlanta for six months? And yeah. say, all right, see you later. I'll be in home in six months. I don't think... I could have done it. So actually now, if anything were to happen, would be the perfect time because he's in college. Yeah. And uh, I wouldn't feel that that absence, you know. 
Oh, um, I don't know if you listen to it at all. Uh, there's this podcast, Two Bears, One Cave. Uh, it's uh, Burt Kreischer and Tom Segura. And did they break down crying one day, talking about like missing their kids? Miss, yes. Yeah. And, and how do you deal with it? Yeah. And, and it was the guy has a beard, right? Yeah. 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 And, and it's he, just like, and they're, f- I saw he's just that crying That's about. I love my daughter so much. And I, I can't so many see her, and I missed everything in six years. Yeah. Ago. I couldn't be at the birthday. And yeah, yeah. Man. And it's just like. It, That's exactly. It's, it was heartbreaking listening to that. And to, yeah, because that's a reality. I've heard so many. Like I heard Ben Affleck saying how miserable he was and <clears throat> drinking and he almost destroyed his family. I mean, you watch every movie. Yeah. They're always somewhere else. Yeah. And those actors have to be there. And like they have to be three, there for a six, long nine months. Time. Yeah. And your family's not going to be there, man. Yeah. You're just going to be making phone calls. And I thought, well, that's a kick in the ass. You finally make it. Yeah. And then, oh, shit, I didn't think about that. Which is one of the reasons why I'm fine with doing this kind of stuff now. I don't. Right. I'm not worried about, like, I'm going to miss a soccer game or an anniversary, whatever. It's just like I can go out and do the things I want to do and. Or be like Rodney. Rodney decided when he finally made it as a comedian. Yeah. Screw it. I'm not going on the road. I'm opening my own club. I'm going to yeah. be in New York all the time. Well, like uh, the going back to the two bears thing, like Tom Segura, he mentioned one thing on there. It's like, I'm glad I have kids now. So it's like, yeah, I can book the uh, gigs around all the events. Like I'm big enough that I can just be like, okay, we're going to work. Right. This weekend, next week, and we're going to be home all throughout the week and be gone for like two, three days, come back. Like, yeah. he, he's at a point where it's like, yeah, I can afford to do that. Yeah. But like the guys who are just hitting the road, like a uh, guy I know back home, uh, he just got like uh, on the New Latinos thing on HBO, and he's been up in New York. He did some stuff in Chicago, California, Florida. He has a five-year-old son back at home. Yeah. And I know he's missing some of that. I know. Yeah. I remember getting a gig in um, when I passed the audition at uh, the Comedy Cellar. Yeah. And then it fell through, like, immediately. I was, like, bombarding this guy to help me get a gig in uh, Atlantic City. Yeah. Because I heard that he had connections there. So he finally worked it out for me. He got me a gig yeah. in Atlantic City. And I'm driving to Atlantic City, my wife and son are home. Yeah. And the closer I get to Atlantic City, the more depressed I'm getting yeah. with this whole prospect. It's like, I want to be with them, you know? Yeah. I don't want to be, uh, what am I doing? And I'm going, and then I, it was the middle of winter in Atlantic City. So it was really bleak and cold. And it just, I just thought to myself, wow, this is, I don't think I'm going to be able to do this. Yeah. It's just not going to, I would. I'd be miserable. And then, you know, what do you do? Start drinking. Yeah. Drugging. And I, <laughs> hey, not a bad idea. That was, that was me in college. But, uh, I and hope. drinking a lot when I was working on the road, doing production, basically living in my car. Oh, right. You yeah. were, yes, you were doing all that for that sports. I was doing the sports. I was doing shitty reality TV. I was, working on indie movies that would lose half their budget. Like by the time I got to set, it's just like, okay, so PAs, uh, 
associate producers. Everyone's getting a little pay cut, and uh, I guess uh, I guess Motel Six is too pricey for me this week. It's you know it's crazy. I've worked on so many of these low budget independent features, yeah. and the beauty of streaming and all these like streaming services like Tubi, yeah. these free Pluto yeah. free streaming services. I could f- track down these movies that I worked on, like shitty movies that you would never ever see if you didn't have online. You know, you know where we are now with you know streaming. Yeah, and I found I'm finding all these old movies I worked on. I really hope one of them never makes it to light because I just <laughs> I'm getting a real kick out of it. Number one, I'm thinking these aren't really that bad, actually. You know, I'm like I've watched early Carpenter movies, and it's just yeah. like. Well, the stuff we were doing wasn't that much different. That I really hope not all of them come to light because there's a movie where I was working as a PA, uh-huh. short film uh, about a uh, modern day slave owner. Okay, and uh, you never saw the slave owner. It's like following the slaves, and the slave owner's narrating. The guy had to drop out last minute, so. There, there's a video of me they somewhere. You in, yeah, wearing like a corn pork pie hat and a like powder yellow suit, drinking uh, a glass of wine while I look over the, my plantation and well, see. Yeah. <laughs> these are decisions you have to make. You yeah, know? these are decisions. Like, okay, that would be me. I okay, honey, I'm leaving New York. I'm going to Texas. I'm playing a slave owner. Now, <laughs> my mind, I don't think, would allow that to happen. It just would not. There's some I would say halfway it was a, there. I'd be like, <laughs> you know. It was a, uh, I will say it was not. a black produced film. So, yeah, I was the bad guy. Yeah. But the whole thing is, is that I had no money and they offered me $150 extra to do that. So, I was like, yeah, yeah. Do I have to say this word? Yeah. Okay, cool. I it's recorded now. Well, that's interesting <laughs> you mentioned that because there's a part in Pulp Fiction. Yeah. And I'm sure you've seen Pulp Fiction. A lot. Okay, you know the scene Tarantino scene. Yeah. With Samuel Jackson. Yeah. He drops the N word a lot. And a lot and they've interviewed yeah. Samuel Jackson about that. Yeah. And how did you feel? And he's like, Yeah, you know, I was a little uncomfortable with that and and Tarantino doesn't really do a good job, I have to say. He yeah. doesn't really... He seems to me like someone who's not really an actor trying to oh, yeah, he's, act. He does it's have any time flat, he's acting. Very flat. And I thought, what a great idea this would be to do that same scene and make it work. Because you never see anybody doing that scene. Say you're yeah. going for an audition. Okay, what are you going to do today? Oh, yeah, the Tarantino scene from Pulp Fiction. What? Oh, The Watch? <laughs> the, no, no, not, <laughs> no, that, no, one, no. not <laughs> that one. But I thought, wow, that could be like a, a gimmick almost. Yeah. Like if you could pull it off without pissing anybody yeah. off. But really do like something like De Niro would do or Marlon Brando or someone with real acting chops yeah. pull it off. I would love to do it. I would just be too afraid to post it on TikTok. Yeah, because if that goes wrong, like you just get yeah. a, a time. Well, yeah, I am deleting all social media. With a disclaimer, <laughs> yeah. of course, before I do this scene, let me just say the reason why I'm doing this scene. 
Well, we got to wrap up here in just a second. Is there anything that you want to talk about or promote before we... Uh... Oh, the only thing I, uh, I want to promote is check me out on TikTok, Tom underscore Marzuli. I'm trying to make that happen. We'll have a little uh, link to that below the podcast. And so. go to uh, 1130 Eastville Saturday nights. <clears throat> I'm there. And I'd love you to be there if you can be there. It's a lot of fun. It's a time for comedy. All right. Thanks for being on the show, man. Thanks for having me, Joe. All right. Had a good time. Thank you. Yeah, it was fun talking with Tom. Like talking to these folks who have been doing this for a while really puts a lot of things in perspective. I feel like you you see uh, you see like how things have progressed, how time has changed uh, with comedy. I I really enjoyed. Uh, his bit about like having a meal at a diner with Jim Gaffigan of all people, like holy shit, I I can't imagine. Like at some point, I'm I'm gonna have a similar conversation. It's gonna be like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, Bill. Yeah, I knew Bill back when he he was nothing. I uh, hope if I'm lucky, someday someone will have a conversation like this about me where it'll be like oh yeah yeah i remember joe i remember joe back in the day i don't know if that's ever gonna happen i'm hoping fingers crossed uh anywho uh yeah that that was the show i hope you enjoyed me i hope you enjoyed tom i hope you go out and see tom you can see me you can see me too but uh the the guest in focus is Tom, so go see him first, then come see me. Maybe go see him again, then see me. Just go back and forth like that. And then eventually just wither away and die. No, that that's too harsh. But <laughs> No, no, uh but seriously go watch Tom. He's funny as fuck. Uh and uh have a good one, folks. Bye.